This is The Secret Library, a podcast about writing and publishing books. I'm Caroline Donahue, a life coach who works with writers, and I'm here to tell you this is your year. It's time to stop waiting and start writing. Hello there. Exciting announcement, which is that this year, this fall, if you want to come work on your writing in person at a very exciting retreat that I'm going to be running with former podcast guests, Tasha Harrison and Kate Newberg. You will remember them from the NaNoWriMo episode. And Tasha, you will remember from the How to Write a Sex Scene episode. And Kate talked about designing covers. So the three of us are teaming up this October to run a retreat called The Secret Right Away together in Portland, Oregon. So if you want to be notified when the early bird special goes live, which is going to be very soon, If you want to be the first person or the first little batch of people to find out um, when the early bird is open for registration, you'll want to head over to secretrightaway.com and slap your email in there so that you will be notified as soon as the retreat opens up, which will be later this month. So I hope that you will want to come hang out with us, work on your writing, learn a whole bunch of amazing stuff that we've got planned for you. And... It's possibly in the coolest retreat venue. I have been dreaming of running something there for years. So if you really want to be boss after listening to this incredible episode with Emily and Kathleen, then Tasha and Kate and I invite you to join us in October. Get really boss and work on your book. All right, let's get on with the show. Hey, Emily and Kathleen, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. We're excited to be chatting <laughs> with you. I know you're like little twins. It's so cute. Um, so I have had people who work together in the book world, but I have never had people on who have worked together on a book. And I think for people out there who have book ideas, but it feels like gigantic and scary, or they have a business bestie or somebody that they've been working on an idea with, it may come up of maybe I'm supposed to do this book with somebody else. So I really wanted to have you guys on because you're so generous and share all your systems and nerdery, which is very popular here, as to how you organize the process of the book and and how it all happened. And because everybody's going to be able to get it as they're listening to this episode. You know, I'm so excited to talk about this because, you know, everyone talks about writing a book being the most painful thing you will ever do. And we for sure have had some of those like bumps and hiccups, but the actual sitting down and writing of the book was amazing. And I feel like we both came out of it better writers. We both came out of it better business partners. We had a really clarified and unified point of view going into it, but then also coming out of it even more. We really challenged each other. We learned how to have really hard conversations that became a lot less hard along the way. Um, and ultimately, you know, we got it done. And it wasn't very, it wasn't super precious, but it was something that we put our entire like heart and soul into. So it was just a really interesting process. And I think a lot of it does come down to the nitty-gritty actionable, like what were we actually doing to write it? And it's something that we haven't gotten the chance to talk about. So I'm really excited to talk about it with you here today. Awesome. I think what you, one thing that you said that I really want to highlight, and this has come up with other people, is the concept of it doesn't have to be torture to write a book. 
I think there's a lot of shtick out there of like, oh, it's like squeezing blood out of your forehead. I heard somebody say once, <laughs> <laughs> like, it feels like violent and self torture. So I'm thrilled to hear. I mean, you're both smiling. You're both looking really good at the end of the process. So I'm glad that it was joyful. And I'd love to hear about the systems and how you put it together so that it stayed that way through the whole experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, joyful is absolutely a word that I would use to describe the process of writing the book. It was so much fun to get in and do it. And like, I would leave my studio occasionally and walk out into the rest of my house after having laughed for like three hours straight, basically, and my partner David would be like, did you guys get anything done? I'm like, honey, we just wrote a whole chapter. Like, I don't know what you're talking about because we were just laughing the entire time and having such a great time doing it. So joyful is absolutely a word that I would use. But because Kathleen and I because it was work, like there were definitely some hardcore like systems and processes that went around the actual sitting down and writing of the thing that allowed us to have a joyful process. And it took some it took some trial and error to figure out for sure because neither of us had ever written a book before. Like we did not know what this needed to look like. Um, and even though we have spent years writing around the around the internet and all kinds of places and things, neither of us had ever sat down and written something that was, you know, the scope of a book. So for the first, actually, I think for the first two weeks or so of the book writing process was totally trial and error, where we just we picked a chapter and we we're like, hey, let's go in here and write this chapter and see what happens. Like you go write these couple sections. I'm going to write these couple sections. Let's bring it together and see what it's like. And it was shit. Like it was <laughs> the worst chapter. We immediately scratched it and said, no, we cannot do it this way. So giving ourselves, first of all, I think giving ourselves the grace to go into it with just like bright eyes, trying to see what works and and – understanding that if this doesn't work, we may have to go back and start again. And starting again without worrying about it was, I think, was the first piece of the puzzle was just like giving it a good hearty go and then releasing it when it was awful. Well, and just to clarify a little bit, I will say writing the proposal for the book itself was a painful process. Like that's probably what most people feel in writing the actual book, where I had a hard time just getting it done. I mean, it probably took about four months and ultimately came down to our agent helping us clean up parts of it because we were kind of too in the weeds of our own content to know how to write about the kind of book that we were going to be writing from that 30,000 foot view of people who don't know already know the Being Boss brand and don't know me and Emily. So that part was kind of painful, but it gave us a lot of clarity around the table of contents and the actual content that we'd be writing about. And I think really fleshing out that proposal from the get-go gave us a lot of structure to start writing with. And so just to elaborate on Emily's point a little bit, we were like, okay, I'm going to go in and write chapter four on habits and routines first. And then maybe you go in and write on you know, boss boundaries first, and then we'll come back and compare notes and see what happened. And that's where we scratched the whole thing and decided to make it more chronological. Like, so we decided to write the book from beginning to end. I remember one morning, Emily came in and she was like, okay, I've just really hardcore outlined this because we had, it was, oh, it was a Sunday morning, by the way, too. It was totally like a weekend. Kathleen and I are pretty hardcore, like not working on the weekends, let alone like talking to each other about work on the weekends. But this was a moment where I had woken up on a Saturday and this is after we realized that like 
just picking a chapter and writing it wasn't going to work. I needed to wrap my head around the structure. So I texted her on a Sunday. I'm like, hey, guess what I just did? Yeah. And like really hammering out that structure was a really cool point in which I could see where our styles might be a little bit different. So for example, Emily budgets to the T. Like she always knows how much money we have, how much money is going to be going out, where it's going, where it's coming in from. I'm kind of more willy-nilly about that stuff. And while I'm not like a crazy free-spirited creative, like I definitely have my type A tendencies and I have some organization and routines. There are elements where I can see Emily taking it one step further and like taking that outline to the next step where we not only have bullets and then sub bullets, but then sub sub bullets. <laughs> and she does the same thing with like managing our projects. So anything that we're creating and being boss, she's tasking it out and giving it deadlines. And so she kind of did that with the book outline. Even though we had the outline figured out, she took it to that next level of really putting in every single point we could possibly think of. And so then we got together and looked at that outline and started to designate who would write what. We were still going chronologically, but who's writing about which section of each chapter. And so we started with chapter one and we started writing it. Um, we decided to write it in Google Docs because we could be in real time together editing it. So a lot of what would happen is I would go write a section for about an hour. Emily would be writing her section for about an hour. We would come back and read it out loud to each other. And even just reading the book out loud was really helpful in setting the tone conversationally because we wanted it to feel kind of like our podcast where we are um, bringing that same vibe and tone to the, to the book. So we were reading our sections out loud to each other. We were catching a lot of mistakes. We could see where things felt clunky. Um, and what was really cool about that is along the way, I might be reading my section and Emily might say, I don't understand what you mean here. And then I would start talking and say, okay, what I'm really trying to say is, and I would just start riffing. Meanwhile, Emily's taking notes, literally transcribing what I'm saying in that section, and then we could clean it up from there. And we were both doing that for each other back awesome. and forth along the way, which was incredible. I feel like even if I ever write a book solo, I will hire Emily to read it out loud to you. <laughs> And she can transcribe <laughs> what I'm saying and tell me where things don't make sense. So we really went through this editing process together along the way. That's awesome. I think it's really important. I mean, it makes me think of someone you all know. I mean, we all know her, but Brene Brown talking about how her writing process goes so much more smoothly when she speaks her book out loud and somebody takes notes on it. I want to circle back before we go forward to something you said before, which was it was really difficult to look starting at the beginning with, you know, a 30,000 foot view of all of the content you've created. You guys have been creating content for years and you've had all of these podcast conversations and all of these interviews. And, and I'm wondering how you got to the point of organizing what was going to go in the book and what wasn't and how you nail that down in the proposal. Cause I think somebody might be in that situation where they're like, okay, I've been teaching this class for 15 years and I kind of want to write a book, but how do I decide what goes in and what doesn't? Yeah. I mean, really early in our, like in the conception of being boss, 
we recognized these topics that kept coming up for us. And so those were the boss mindset. It was um, boundaries, habits, and routines. Um, and so there were, there was, there are a total of six of them. These six pillars or foundations of being boss that we always saw coming back up in our content. So whenever it came to actually doing the proposal, we had our chapters more or less right there was these are the things that we know always goes into the conversations and people may not realize it or not, but they're at the backbone of pretty much every podcast that we do as well. So again, we're not saying, all right, let's talk about this foundation or let's talk about this one. It's, it's just sort of this underlying current that we bring out in the conversation in a way that's supernatural, though Kathleen and I know that we're always hitting on these same topics. And so whenever it came to the proposal, it was just taking these pillars that we've already defined and we're already like diving into with all of our guests and with each other in these different scenarios. And those became our chapters. It was weirdly kind of easy. Um, we did do a little bit of tweaking for the purpose of the book. Um, so for example, one of our, uh, one of the being boss foundations is, um, is your tribe or having a community. We didn't give community its own chapter in the book. Instead, it became an overarching theme that sort of got plugged into every individual chapter. Um, so we made a couple of tweaks, but again, it, it was the definition that we needed for the content that we were sharing. It was these, these defined buckets of content that we that we pinpointed out very early in our branding process that we fleshed out over the years in sharing content and you know having these conversations and it was really awesome to be able to really bring them together and define them in the book like that for us is sort of what the purpose of this book is it's taking these foundations that we're not always very explicit about and being really explicit about them in this book yeah and i think that we've always had a lot of clarity around our content because we are constantly having conversations with our tribe. So whether we are launching a survey and asking people what their biggest challenges and goals are, or we're talking to people in real time, face to face, we really have a grasp on what it is that people want to hear about and where our content is the most helpful from these conversations. Like we are just constantly talking to our people. So that part felt easy. I think what was really hard about the proposal was how do we describe it to someone that isn't familiar with us? Like we've gotten spoiled in that we have mm. created this community that knows us so well. It's like getting together for a dinner party or having conversation with, you know, I don't know, almost like your sorority sisters or something. Like we all come from this same place of creative entrepreneurship. We're all already speaking the same language, especially if you're listening to the podcast. So how do we really distill that for a traditional publisher like running press and explain to them because they're in like their traditional publishing world and they don't experience a lot of our kind whenever we feel like we're completely surrounded by creative entrepreneurs all day, every day. So how do we translate that to them? And then how do they translate that, you know, or with us to that larger audience of, I don't know, like it's as simple as just using words that we might not really use. Like, where we talk about fraudy feelings, they want to call it imposter syndrome. And so really just making sure that we're speaking the same language for the pitch so that we could get the book deal. I think that that was the challenging part of the proposal. But then once we got the book deal, we were able to say, okay, here's how we talk about things. Here's our 
vernacular. Right. And so they were really cool about that along the way. It was just that initial selling yourself where you kind of have to paint a picture in a way that translates to someone who's not familiar with you. I mean, it's it's branding 101, essentially. Yeah, exactly. That is fascinating. I mean, I think there is, when you're used to publishing your own content and having control over everything that goes on your site, everything that goes in your newsletter, everything that goes on your show. I mean, those of us who start these projects are not doing it because we want nine people telling us how to do it. So to then translate into the traditional publishing world, I'm sure was a challenge. It was a huge growing experience for us. And I think that we both really matured through the process of learning how to compromise and collaborate. And I think that we have a better product for it in a lot of ways. I mean, there were definitely moments along the way where I was like, oh, if we had just self-published, this would be done. We would have said exactly what we wanted to say. But I think that it made us better. I know that I've experienced this as an art director in advertising under my creative director. I always just wanted the creative to be approved and out the door. But that pushback, that resistance, that clarification that happens along the way is what makes it better, ultimately. So I don't know, as as hard as it could have been at some points, I think it made it better. Did you find that that helped working with each other too for the same thing? If you're, you know, you both, I mean, it sounds like with Emily saying, I don't understand what's going on here. And then having to re-explain, it sounds like the internal pushback was really valuable as well. Yeah. I mean, during the writing process, Kathleen and I had to get really familiar with, I mean, imagine literally writing something in real time and someone looking at you and going, you can do this better which is what Kathleen and I were doing every day for three months, like writing things and then immediately just like, oh, like very kindly, like ripping each other's like writing apart for the purpose of making it better. And that for us, it started really difficult. Like I remember that first day that Kathleen and I were writing together, me leaving that the most drained I had ever felt, like unsure that I really wanted to finish the project. And by the end of it, we were laughing the entire time. So that like that growth period and that like getting used to having that pushback and understanding that it is making everything better started between the two of us. And then whenever it came time for editing, which I think was a pretty easy process personally because Kathleen and I had read it out loud to each other and edited edited the book probably four times before it actually went off, that the editing phase was pretty easy. But whenever we got into design and timelines um, and all these things around uh, like how we were going to position the book and what the subtitle would be, like all of these things, we had already become comfortable enough with understanding that this pushback is part of the process that I absolutely think it made it better for those external pushbacks. Um, like we were able to deal with those more easily or just the idea that there are two of us, like whenever, whenever things were getting difficult. Um, and whenever I say difficult, I really just mean in terms of Kathleen and I are online business owners and we're used to the world going at like breakneck speed so with fast. things being implemented immediately and with having fast feedback and with a small team that just works on the same speed th that we do. Um, the publishing world works a lot slower. They take their time with things. They have lots of other books going on. And there were many times Kathleen and I were sitting here fiddling our th fingers thinking, all right, like, let's do the thing. Or why is this taking so long? Or why do we need like another person's feedback on this thing that everyone has approved or whatever it may be? So whenever it came to those sort of hard times, it was so much easier. Like if I was starting to feel really down about it, Kathleen could keep me upbeat or vice versa. Like we were able to play off of each other's energies enough to 
I don't know, to make even the darkest times a little lighter, if you will. And I can only imagine how much harder that would be if you were going at it solo, because there were definitely times where I was much more likely to throw in the towel or Kathleen was much more likely to throw in the towel. But doing it together, it was always in the times when Kathleen was feeling down that I was feeling the most good about it or vice versa. And so I feel like it really, it all culminated to this finished project that we're all super happy with, but it has been a roller coaster along the way. Well, and it was just a learning process. You know, like Emily said, our publisher has been incredible. We have always been on each other's side. Like we've always been on the same team. Ultimately, it's never been us against the publisher or the publisher against us by any means. I think it's just learning new processes of traditional publishing that has been really tricky. And so, you know, there are a few conversations even with my agent where she was like, this is totally normal. And even just knowing that, like, oh, this is normal, was so helpful along the way. Um, and I think, you know, like I said before, those those bumps and rides are part of the journey. And I think that we're all better for it at the end. Anyway, I don't know. I feel like we keep talking about how things were kind of tricky and hard, even though looking back, I think it is like childbirth where you forget how painful parts of it were. <laughs> because now we have this beautiful thing at the end of it. And the things that were painful, maybe weren't like maybe we'd handle it totally different now where it would be no big deal because now we know like, oh, this is just part of the process. So for example, like the cover design, you know, it took us a few iterations to get there and being both of Emily and I have design backgrounds. So we were very particular in ways that other authors might not be. And that maybe threw our publisher for a loop that we were so picky about the graphic design of it. So those are just a few small examples of some things that would happen. I have to say that is so, I hear every time I talk to somebody about, they're like, there was this little hiccup. I love my publisher. Amazing. But we had this crazy debate about the, about the cover. It's always, <laughs> there's always a debate about the cover. And I'm just like, okay, I guess everybody should just know, don't feel bad and don't feel like a jerk if you have a debate about the cover. Because Everyone I have talked to has had a debate about the cover. Everybody. It, that's what it came down to. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, that's what people are going to pick up. They're going to walk in the thing and they're going to see that. I mean, of course you're going to have feelings about the cover. Yeah. And especially like ours being such a branded piece or this idea, like our brand is being boss. The book is called Being Boss. Like like it or not, it's branding piece, or branded piece. And so we were super particular. And the idea that we do both have design backgrounds, like in a lot of ways, our careers ride on this being a beautiful book. Like if we had put out a not beautiful book where, you know, in the being ball, like one of our like mantras that being boss is consistency breeds legitimacy. Like we've put ourselves, like we've made our mark pretty damn high and to the point where like, I don't know. Everyone just needed to get on board. And it was a process. Like everything is just a process. Um, but we had kind of pigeonholed ourselves accidentally, but on purpose into this idea that the design was going to be probably the hardest part of the process. And part of the difficulty there as well was that Kathleen and I being designers, we were like, here, we'll just, <laughs> we can just do it for you. Like, here's what we want the cover to look like. But then there was like a process of like getting 15 people's approval that, it was just difficult. Well, and how many authors are like, let me design it for you? <laughs> Probably not I, very I many. I have heard of it happening. I have. <laughs> I don't want you to feel bad about it at all. But one of the cool things about 
actually the editing process was I remember at one point our agent who used to be an editor read through it and then our editor read through it. And I could tell that they were tiptoeing around certain things, like being real fragile with our egos. And we were like, fine, let's cut it. No big deal. Like at that point, we were so used to editing each other that we were not at all precious about any of the content. And if something needed to go, it could go. Um, and if something needed to be brought in, I remember one cool point was we had actually some of our team read it and they were like, hey, you guys don't talk at all about being moms and being bosses. And we were like, oh, like we didn't even think about our kids. <laughs> but they were like, that's such a cool, like huge part of your story. And it's something that we hear from your listeners all the time is like, how do you manage being a mom and being boss? So we wrote a section in there about being moms and being bosses. And it was kind of tricky for us because we, I mean, you can be a boss a million different ways and you can be a mom a million different ways. And Emily and I are pretty aligned on how we're bosses and not so aligned on how we're moms. Not that we have like <laughs> differing, like not that we fight about it or anything. We just kind of go about it differently. Like my kid is full-time daycare. Emily's kid is homeschooled. So they're just different philosophies. And we were like, oh, this is scary to write about. But we did it. Um, anyway, all that to say, just going through that process, like we really were able to drop our egos and really just think about what is going to make the best book for our listener or for our reader to pick up. And I think that's where the design thing came in too. Like I, it's not just my own ego whenever it comes to design, because there were many times where I really had to check it and say, am I just being an asshole? Like to be an asshole? I don't right. think and this so. Is, and this is where I would walk in and be like, no, ma'am, you are not being an asshole just to be an asshole. We're doing this for a beautiful book. And now that we've sort of reached the point where the design is done, we can both look back and see like us standing our ground was almost, I feel like that was like the ultimate test of this year in terms of knowing who we are, knowing what we stand for, knowing what's important to us. And collectively, that thing is design and that thing is having something that's so legit and so uh, just clean and well thought out and well planned and well executed that, that you know, if you want to erase half a chapter that we spent three months writing, we don't care about that, <laughs> obviously. But like whenever it comes to design, like we we collectively realized that that was one of the things that we would absolutely stand for. And there were a couple of times where, you know, Kathleen would call me and be like, I feel like I'm just being an ass to be an ass. Like, is is my ego like feeding this? And I'd be like, no, this is this is the thing that we are here to fight for. This idea that this will be a great book to read, but a beautiful book to hold. And now that we're at the finish line, we see that it wasn't ego and that it wasn't, you know, us just like, being bitches to be bitches. It was us like having this vision and needing to go through this entire process to get the thing that aligned with that vision so wonderfully. I, I can't wait to hold it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think this is this is a theme that seems to be coming up in everything you've talked about from the beginning of doing the process, that there was a, okay, we're going to try a first stage of this. We're going to take a look at it. Okay. That's kind of shitty. We're going to go back in and we're going to ask hard questions and we're going to really figure out what the important piece of it is. And the thing that is the most important for us to communicate, we're going to be fine about checking the rest and we don't mind if it takes a while. And I think that's all really important 
for people to know in terms of the process of getting a book that you're proud of at the end. Yeah. And well, and the thing you just said that like I feel is the lesson that we've had to learn through this whole process is this idea of it being of, of being fine with it taking a while. But yes, I was gonna say that too. Like the patience <laughs> we had to cultivate. Cause what you were saying earlier, Emily, that we have to like as online entrepreneurs, we can write something and publish it and launch it in a week. And the fact that we had to take our time was so such a learning moment for us. Did you experience that, Emily? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This how to be patient, right? Like, I feel like the one thing that I'm always able to speed up through massive organization, yeah, through massive organization, is timelines. Like, I can make this in increasingly faster for everyone if you just let me have my hands on it. But because my hands weren't on it, the time was the piece that I had to just like really sit here and let it all happen on its own timeline and one that I could not affect in any way, especially with like holding my ground around what was important um, and what I wouldn't take slack on. So yes, the time, that was the hardest lesson we learned. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I wonder... Since you decided to go with a traditional publisher, I mean, you went in kind of knowing that. So I'm, I'm interested in sort of the conversation that may have happened. That's like, are we gonna are we gonna run this book ourselves, or are we gonna go through a traditional publisher? And what were some of the questions you asked that led you to go where you went? Well, I think that first and foremost, we I think that being boss, the way that we're set up is you would think that we would self publish, and that was probably the route that we would take, typically for our style. So I think that deciding to traditionally publish was a couple of different things. One was how can we have the most impact and reach? If we self-publish, we might just be selling our book to people who are already fans and listeners. And we wanted to expand the brand and our reach to people who weren't necessarily already listening to the podcast. So that was one. Two is that we are used to self-publishing in a lot of ways. Like we self-publish our podcast, if you think about it. We've been self-publishing our blog posts for years. So I think that part of it was really wanting to try a new way of working. We, it, I mean, we looked at it almost as an experiment. And then third, I think that there is a certain amount of clout that comes with being traditionally published where someone else believes in your vision enough to give you an advance, you know, and they, um, they believe that it can be a bestseller and they're going to put their resources and team on making that happen as well. You know, like that was huge for us. And all of those different factors played into our decision to traditionally publish versus self-publish. And I think that another big piece of it was finding an agent that really believed in us and really got us. We had had conversations with a handful of agents before we landed on Laura Lee. And they they just weren't a good fit. Like they didn't understand our vision. They didn't understand our vibe. And whenever our agent, Laura Lee, approached us, she really got it. And she really saw what kind of book it could be. And she's gone to bat for us every step of the way and has really represented us in a way that feels completely aligned. And so I think that she really helped bridge the gap between our entrepreneurial spirits and this traditionally published world where she kind of acted as a translator and an advocate for both parties along the way. So that was huge too. That's it. (laughs) Right? I mean, I mean, well, the one thing I would like to add, though, is like how much of a conversation that was. Like Kathleen and I had talked about writing a book, I feel like for years, like all like all of our conversations always at some point have come back to one of us or the other or together writing a book. 
And so actually two things. One, it had been a very long, like multi-year-long conversation of if and when we do this, what is this going to look like? And two, another thing that we that we really wanted to get out of uh, out of traditionally publishing is the accountability. Because this had been a multi-year conversation and it hadn't happened yet, we knew that we needed the timeline of a publisher to actually help make it happen. So that, I guess that's two things. One, super long conversation about it. And two, we needed the accountability to really make it do and to see what the process would be like. I think, I think either of us now would probably more easily be able to write a book without the timeline. But now that I know everything that goes into it, I think I'd be less likely to self-publish because I'd rather have someone else do it. I know. Even right now, I'm trying to do NaNoWriMo and it is what a couple days from December as of recording this, I've written 5,000 words and it's a good 5,000 words, but it's not the 50,000 words, right? Whereas whenever we were writing our book, we were a solid 1,500 words a day or however much. We It took us three months to actually write the book. We hit every single deadline. I think that our publisher was shocked and astonished that we were hitting our deadlines, which is actually another thing I wanted to mention whenever it comes to tradition, traditionally publishing and picking your battles and really deciding what you're going to fight for. I don't think that we would have had as much leverage if we had been late on our deadlines or arguing about the subtitle or you know, all these other things. It was like, okay, if we have one battle to pick, what is it going to be? Anyway, so having that timeline, accountability, deadline, and also having a team of, you know, people running press. Part of the thing with traditional publishing is that there was this courting phase where we talked to maybe four or five publishers that were interested in buying the book. And the publisher that we went with, Running Press, they were one of the ones that we felt so good about from the beginning because we knew that they were going to be collaborative. They really cared about our vision. We felt like they got it. And so that was a big part of deciding to go traditional was just actually finding a good fit with a publisher. And so every step of the way, like finding that good fit with the agent and then finding the good fit with the publisher and asking the right questions along the way and the hard questions from the beginning was huge. Right. But also like showing up and doing your work, <laughs> like really like bosses. I mean, and that was a conversation we, we had with them multiple times where, you know, actually whenever we got our book deal, they were like, it was about this time last year. So it was like mid to late November last year. Um, and they were like, we would like to see the first chapter by like December 14th or whatever. And we were like, um, actually we're planning on taking December off. And they were like, oh, well that's boss. <laughs> and we were like, yes, like respect. Good. So we just got a book deal, but we're also telling you we're not going to write for the first month that we'll come back and do it in January. And no one minded. But once January got here, like we had those first chapter, the first chapter to them early. We hit our final deadline. I think actually we had it ready a week early, but then delivered it like a day early. And so just sort of showing up and being that boss along the entire process. And even in the editing phases, like having a week to review something, getting it to them in three days. And and not so much that that we're just the people who show up and do that, but it was so important to us um, to make it a priority. But it's also always important for us to show up the way we want people to show up for us, that it created a really great working relationship so that it, whenever it did come time for us to hold our ground and you know fight for whatever it is we wanted to fight for, then 
we had earned that much more respect and clout with them to make it work in whatever, whatever way it needed to be. And again, not that anything crazy dramatic happened, but like even like those little nuances of respect between people because you're everyone is showing up the way they're supposed to really lends to, I think, a better finished project, um, but also a better like ongoing and hopefully continuing I know, and it's this idea that like how you do anything is how you do everything. So we're talking about this pushback and resistance with the publisher. But again, I don't want it to sound like it was this big fight by any means, but it's the same kind of hard conversations and pushback that Emily and I will give each other as business partners, where we're often holding our ground for what's really important to us and constantly having to shift our perspectives to see like, okay, where are we going to compromise? And it happens in marriages. It happens in all sorts of relationships. So it was just that kind of relational push and pull that you have with anybody that you're creating something with. So in the midst of this, I mean, you're having these tough conversations, you're writing, you're getting a book written in three months, and you also are still doing the podcast. You're still moms you're still in relationships and you still have online businesses that you're running. So I'm, I'm wondering how, when you say like, we got it done, we got it done on time. Like, do you have any thoughts about how you made that happen for someone who may be like quietly puking in the corner with like, Oh my God, how would I, how would I do that? You know what? We just get more done than most people. Like I used to have a really eloquent answer for this. Like we're time blocking and we have really solid habits and routines and boundaries. But the truth is, is, I just think that we get more done than most people. Sorry. Right. And <laughs> <laughs> right. And it but like it's all it's come from years of showing up like this. Of of in again, in the beginning, maybe not showing up quite like this. Like it is it has been a growing process. So we definitely we show up for everything as if it's the most important thing we're doing at the moment because it is, because we're showing up for it. And like funnily, we all the book we wrote is called Being Boss, and it lays out the foundations of what it takes to build a like work and life that you love and is productive and all of these things. So we very basically employed all of our own tactics throughout the entire process. We did do some time blocking. Um, we did, you know, cultivate a team that allowed us to to still run all the other things while Kathleen and I were, you know, sitting down writing. And that was another really interesting part of the book writing process was that Kathleen and I realized super early in the process that while we were writing the book, the only thing that we could truly be responsible for in, ter in terms of work was writing the book. Like I couldn't come in and write and then do any web design or I couldn't come in and have four meetings with the team and then be expected to write anything of quality. Like we had to do some very very serious building of boundaries around our time and energy so that whenever we were there to write either separately or together, we had we had not wasted any of our energy that day or we wouldn't be required to use that creative energy on anything for the rest of the day. And part of what that required was for us to be quite a bit more intentional with living our lives during that three months of writing where I think we were probably clocking less time in terms of like really sitting here at the computer working, but we were able to come in and have those two or three hour blocks of time where we were writing be insanely and highly productive. Um, and it was because we were being so intentional with, with 
what our life looked like at the moment, which is like if you read the book, it's exactly what we're talking about, this idea of bringing intention and purpose and boundaries and habits and all of these things to everything that you do in a way that you are building the life and work that you want. So it was employing everything, but very truthfully, Kathleen and I have been doing this for so long that we do get more done than most people. I know, Emily. I love how eloquent you are. You're like, we just used our own tools in the book, which is so true. (laughs) And everything Emily said is so spot on. You know, we do have really solid habits and routines. And I think also the mindset of not being super precious about the work or, you know, I think so many people just get in their own way whenever it comes to getting so much stuff done that if you just sit down and open your laptop and start behaving as if you're writing a book or behaving as if you are getting a lot of stuff done, you will get it done. Um, So for me, it comes back to that mindset stuff of just not getting tripped up in self-doubt or, I don't know, analysis paralysis of where to start next. We are highly organized with our systems and routines, even in managing projects. And so we really outlined the book in a way that every single little section had a deadline. We had standing meetings with each other where we were touching base at least twice a week. It felt at some points like every single day where we were you know, bouncing parts of the book off of each other. And then the last thing I want to mention is just some things did have to be compromised or sacrificed. And so we weren't able to get as much stuff done in our businesses. And that's why whenever it came to writing the book and getting the deal, the advance had to compensate us accordingly so that we could take time off of work. So that was a huge part of it. Another thing is that there have been weeks where I have stayed up every night until midnight. And again, I have pretty firm boundaries of not working evenings and weekends, but I was for a while. And probably for a lot of those three months, I was taking Sundays to spend two or three hours writing. Because like Emily said, after two or three hours of writing, I mean, I think we both found that after 90 minutes, anything we wrote was not very good. And so I needed to have more 90 minute frequency happening. So that meant evenings and weekends sometimes. So that was a big part of it as well. And there were a lot of times that, you know, my husband was taking my kiddo out on a play date together and I wasn't going because I was working on the book. So you know, my kids in full-time daycare. Like there were sacrifices, not that that's a sacrifice, that's a blessing, but um, there were things that had to happen in order to make it happen, but also knowing that it was temporary and that if we were breaking our own rules, um, that we have rules in the first place and boundaries in the first place and acknowledging, okay, I'm going to be working this week until midnight every night and that's okay. Emily's going to be on the beach editing the book, but it's because it's something that we care about that much that we're willing to do it. We're willing to break our own rules to make it happen. I think that's huge because I think a couple of things that you said I think are really important. One is it's temporary and that don't start writing a book unless you're willing to make temporary sacrifices to make it happen. And if this the idea of staying up late or looking at the book on the beach or skipping a play date sounds awful, then maybe reevaluate whether or not this is the book you want to write. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that the actual process of writing the book made us do was to get 
was to get really sort of quiet and in tune with what works and what doesn't work for like us individually. Like there was some serious like quiet time, figuring out what time of day we were most creative in terms of writing, what that looked like, you know, should I have eaten beforehand or should I wait to eat after? Or like, I mean, really like getting that quiet with yourself to figure out when and where and what it takes for you to get into that zone to to really only work for an hour and a half and have that be like five hours worth of work or whatever it may be. Um, that takes some like knowing of yourself that makes a lot of people really uncomfortable. So there was like some really like diving into like who we are as creatives and especially in this kind of new form of creativity. Like Kathleen and I have been designing and writing for years. Neither of us had ever sat down and written a book before. That was not something that we had done. And though it sounds like similar, it wasn't. And we figured out really quickly that the rules that we were following before were not going to be the the ones that would help us create this book, you know, in this capacity and at that time. So there was a whole lot of like getting really real with ourselves and with our family around what it is that we needed to create this in the time frame that was that was required. It ended up working out really great. It took us a couple of weeks to get into that flow to really figure it out. I can only imagine how difficult it would have been if we hadn't taken the time to do that. But I think that was a really important part of the process too, is really getting to know ourselves and our process and also each other and each other's process um, to make it happen. I think also though, acknowledging that this is still a job like it was our job to sit down and write a book. It's not, you know, we're not artists. I mean, we are, but you know what I mean? It's not this, we couldn't always go to the place of inspiration and being well-fed and being motivated. At some point, you just have to sit down and do your job. And so that's what it means to be boss, is to sit down and do the work. Whenever we were asking people um, right before we wrote the book, like, what is the number one piece of advice that you've gotten from the podcast that has really helped you be a better boss, be a better creative entrepreneur, be a better small business owner, freelancer, side hustler, passion project, or whatever it is? And everyone said, your advice to just sit down and do the work or maybe not sit down, to do the work, whatever that looks like for you, um, has been huge. And it's the simplest thing we say. And so the whole book is framed up around doing the work and what all that entails. And I think that actually writing the book itself, like Emily was saying earlier, was us doing the work and really employing our best strategies whenever it comes to mindset and habits and routines and all the things, boundaries, even if we were breaking some of those rules along the way to really make it happen. I mean, it's a beautiful pitch for the book. It's like these principles that we're sharing with you are the principles that made the book in the first place. It's kind of like one of those snakes biting its own tail. It's like, it's all cycling around and it's like, ah, you know, kind of blows your mind. Like a dream within a dream inception. (laughs) Exactly. Like how could we have made the book without the book? That's amazing. So with all of that discovered, um, everybody kind of gets a horrified look in their face when I ask this question, but I can't help it. Like now that you've learned all of this stuff that you've learned, and now of course that you're about to go into promotion of this book and that whole experience, which is probably a whole nother episode in itself. Do you look forward to writing another book or are you like, hell no, give me a minute. Or do you think, okay, in a couple of years, I would do it again. We can't wait. For sure. Nice. We actually negotiated in our contract 
that we're allowed to pitch them when the book is launched because they had it so that we couldn't even pitch another book for like a year after six months after it launched. I think it was six months. I think it was, and we were like, uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> you're not gonna box got- us in like that. <laughs> we only have so much patience. Come on now. Right, exactly. So yeah, we did. We negotiated that early because Kathleen and I definitely feel like we have multiple books in us for sure. And so we negotiated that immediately. We're like, we're not going to wait six months. Like we're going to at least want to have the option to pitch you immediately upon the release of this book if we have to wait that long. Um, So we did negotiate that immediately. Um, And there have been several times throughout the process, as one can imagine, where we're like, "Uh uh-uh, never doing it again. Totally done with this. But like now that again, now that like the baby is out, <laughs> we're stitched back up, all the things, um, we're ready to start at least the outline for our next book for sure. Awesome. And I think given the detail of the outline that you all are capable of producing, I, I suspect it will be very easy <laughs> for them to digest what you're thinking of writing next time. I think so. I think so. I mean, the idea of even taking what we've learned thus far into our next relationship with, you know, a publisher, whether it's our publisher, which I hope it is, or some other one, we absolutely see ourselves like having the capacity to be even more boss with the creation of the next book, whether that's in the negotiation phase or figuring out the timeline or sitting down and writing it or really like one of the things that we've we've decided with this book is that we're going to use less bullet points in the next book for sure. So like <laughs> even being able to like style our content or present our content in different ways or what it will look like to, you know, give creative direction, like We've learned so much this time that the next time I imagine will go even more smoothly and we'll have even more of an impact with the time and expertise that we bring to the table. Um, So it has been hard. Birthing a book is definitely difficult and we cannot wait to do it again. (laughs) Nice. Well, I'm not surprised because given how good you all are at creating systems, like once you've got a smoothly running system, you're not going to chuck it in the garbage. Be like, oh, that's great. We created that. We're never going to use that again. So I'm glad to hear that you're excited to do it again. We are. We are. Thank you so much for coming on and for talking to me about this whole process. And I hope that those of you out there now hear what kind of relationship you have to have with somebody and to be able to push back, read your book out loud. If, If you take one thing from this, I can't tell you how much of a difference it makes when you read your work out loud and hear what's going on with it and how that changes it. So I'm so glad you talked about that. I think that's really important. Yeah. And if I can add one thing, if someone is thinking about writing a book with someone else, like I think it has to be with the right person. I could not have done this process with just anyone for sure. Like there are even people that I'm close to in my life that I don't think I could write a book with. Like the amount of like intimacy, if I can use that word without being creepy, um, and the amount of like openness that you have to have with a person to express yourself creatively immediately have it be like ripped apart and like but also made better is a process that I think is saved for like special relationships for sure. Um, So I say that to also say as well that writing a book alone is a journey I feel like I must take in the future just to compare. I don't know that it's going to be as fun. Like I can't imagine it being as fun writing a book alone as it has been to write a book with someone with 
which that the process was so amazing. So just like a fun thing, like it's not for everyone. You can't do it with just anyone. And it may be more fun than doing it by yourself. It would be suspicious if you were in the room by yourself laughing hysterically for several hours writing your book (laughs) and there was no one else there. I would not put that beyond me at all for sure. (laughs) Well, depending on the kind of book, I think it could really work. Right? I agree. (laughs) Yeah. So I hope everybody picks up the book because now you know not only do you get to read the book that they worked on, but these are the systems that help them to write a book so meta. And it's out. You should check it out. And thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. It's fun to talk about this. Thank you for listening to The Secret Library Podcast. The show is produced by me, Caroline Donahue, and Frederick Barry McWilliams Jr., my tireless audio engineer. To get show notes for this episode and all other episodes, please visit secretlibrarypodcast.com. To get updates, literary love, and notification when new episodes are posted, sign up there for Footnotes, my newsletter. And to learn about life coaching with me to work on building your writing life, visit carolinedonahue.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Gold stars to everybody who leaves a rating and review on iTunes. We're so grateful. Until next time, happy reading.